No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form, even for personal use. On the subject of superfluous luxuries and becoming enslaved to the desire for expensive things, garments and jewelry. Now, today, this may not apply so much to us, but in those days, wealthy people put on especially valuable garments, and they wore jewelry too. So he's hero ateo al yofyom al tafnisham. The Torah didn't admonish anything about the beauty of garments or about the form, the shape of the garments. Hello shalom yebohem kilayim. Only it shouldn't be shotness. And the garments have scissors, that's all. Was then everything is permissible. According to the law of the Torah, everything is permissible in garments. Omno, Milo Yeda, But who doesn't know that by clothing oneself with glorified garments, with especially expensive embroidered garments, arrogance results from that when a man dresses in robes of expensive material so he becomes arrogant and it borders on Znush too because he has a mind to make an uh, impression on women who look at him in addition to the jealousy that this causes and that one tries to compete with the other in the expensiveness of his garments and the desire for more expensive things, for Ishik, and of course dishonesty, because you want to make more money in order to be able to spend all these things. That becomes as a result, all those things are expensive for a person to buy it. And therefore, when a person is a big spender, he brings himself into the possibility of being dishonest also, trying to make money quickly, when the Yesara sees a man that hangs on his heels, that means he walks in a saucy way, as if it were a very important person. And he feels his garments here and there, as if he was uh, satisfied and happy with his expensive garments. And he continues to brush his hair back in a certain way. That's my man. And he's part of a person that is so interested in these superficial things, Yeshua says, that's my man. Say that. Now, teal means walking. However, he's not talking about people who walk for fresh air or for the exercise. But in France and in Italy, there was such a thing as boulevardiers. People who spent time on the street, they didn't have cars, so they walked on the street, fancy fellows, and they stopped and talked, and it was like a social place on the streets. That's called teal. And people who engage in that, he said, are already customers for all forms of Yetzirah. And deeper, and talking in company, like they talked when they meet each other on the street, there's Lesonis and Lashon and all kinds of 
uh, gossip that they exchanged as they walked up and down the streets. Even if it's not something that's also, according to the Torah, it's permissible. How much losing of time from learning Torah is involved in such a career? How many falsehoods? People tell stories that are not true to each other. Mockery, jesting. In a multitude of words, you cannot avoid some iniquity. I mean, when you talk much, there's surely going to be some sin. In a multitude of words, you cannot avoid some kind of a sin. So people get together at parties and they spend time talking or they spend time on the street talking. These people are still on benches, on park benches, and they talk. These people surely, with their tongues, are going to get involved in various kinds of abeyas. Say that. Right, Tom. To sum up. Everything in the world can be a matter of great peril, great peril for a person's spirit. How can you not praise a person who tries to avoid these things? And he tries to be as far away as possible from these things. So we should know that it's certainly praiseworthy when a person avoids such possibilities as you mentioned up till now. That's the positive, the good side of precious. He shouldn't take from the world any form of use that he has benefited from in the world, only whatever it's necessary to take which he needs because of human nature certain things everybody needs and there's nothing to be considered superfluous in those necessary things that people do that's what Rebbe was proud of himself in a statement above he he didn't have any pleasure out of this world even as much as you could pick up on one little finger. Despite the fact that he was the prince of Yisrael and the wealthiest Jew, nevertheless he lived the most frugal kind of life. So you see, in wealthy people who aspire to have spiritual perfection try to limit themselves as much as possible and avoid anything that's superfluous. His table was a table of kings. He couldn't help himself. He was forced to do that because of the honor of Inesius. So on his table, they put the most expensive foods, but he didn't eat it. So somebody visited him, guests or foreign dignitaries. They saw something that caused them to respect. They saw his honor, his wealth. And he did that. His table had all kinds of wealthy and rare exotic foods. But he himself did not eat them. We're told to Rivke, two nations are on your belly. Two nations mean two proud aristocrats she's going to have. One is Rebbe and one is Antoninus. Rebbe was the head of the Jewish nation and Antoninus was the Roman emperor.
They both came out of Rivka. He came from Esav. And Yankov, of course, uh, and the Rebbe came from Yankov. Shalom Posak al Shulchanam, they never was lacking from their table. Lo Chazeres, Lo Kishur, Kishur, no vegetables, even out of the season. They always had vegetables. Now, in those days, out of the season, you couldn't get vegetables unless you were a very wealthy pe- person. And Rebbe's table never lacked anything. Lo in summer or winter, his table was loaded with all delicacies. And still Rebbe did not allow himself to enjoy any of the things on the table. At the minimum, that was possible. Similarly, who had a table that was covered with all the wealth suited to a great king, and nevertheless, he lived a life of great frugality. All other statements that he mentioned above, they all uphold the principle, a man should try to keep himself away from every form of worldly pleasure that's not necessary. He shouldn't fall into the danger of becoming enslaved to superfluous things. Now that's the positive side of precious. That it's worthwhile for people to endeavor to live a life of frugality, a life of simplicity, temperance, and self-control, no matter how wealthy they are and how well they could afford every kind of luxury. Because it's a benefit for the neshama to have self-control and be able to say no to yourself, said Anasar. If you will ask, if that's the case, that that's something that's necessary, that we should live lives of frugality and temperance, why didn't they make any decrees to command us and forbid superfluous things? They made other decrees in order to keep us away from doing wrong things. For instance, you shouldn't come to do things that are also on Shabbos. And in Macholas Asuras, keep us away from so why didn't they make decrees that we shouldn't have luxuries we shouldn't eat things that are just nasharai or gourmet and just try to live a simple life they should have made decrees if that's so necessary so answer answer is clear and simple Chachamim made no decrees unless most of the people are able to uphold those decrees. And therefore, a decree forbidding luxuries is something that the nation in general can't accept. It's only for individuals of a higher level. You can't make a gazelle that nobody should eat candy, for instance. Nobody should eat the confections. That's something that the Reuvah cannot tolerate. Most of the Sibra cannot be Hasidim. Avodailohem, she is Sadikim. It's enough that they're Sadikim and they eat only what's kosher. It's enough. But to prohibit them from luxuries, there's nothing 
that the Chachamim can impose on the people. But the individuals, the exceptional people, they should take upon themselves without any decrees. Who desire to gain closeness to Hashem, and to bring merits by their behavior to the whole nation that depends on them, men of great piety, their merit is a blessing for the whole nation. So these individuals who wish to gain a special closeness to Hashem and to gain a special merit for their nation, lohem agia v'kaya mishnas chasidim. It's their duty to fulfill the mission of chasidim. I mean, those requirements that only chasidim have to keep. Asher lo yochlu But others cannot fulfill that. So he's telling us there are certain levels of practice that are only applicable to people of a higher mentality. The Hasidim who wish to become closer to Hashem. But you cannot force the nation in general to do those things. Heim, heim, sidre There are these forms of precious, of abstinence, which he is explaining until now. That Hashem has chosen. Hashem desires that. He desires people who practice self-control beyond the line of duty. It's not possible for a whole nation to be equal on the same level of perfection. Among the people, there are various degrees of excellence. Some are higher and some are lower. You can't tell everybody that they have to practice the same amount of perfection in their behavior. Each man according to his intelligence. In but therefore at least, all they did not, Hachami did not make any decrees, but there should be found some rare personalities that are willing to take upon themselves voluntarily. They should prepare themselves with a real preparation for Al and because of those who are prepared for greatness, then even those people who are not prepared for greatness will also gain We'll have to stop here. I'll explain once more before we go away. He said, we cannot make a decree to tell everybody, abstain from nasharai, abstain from what's unnecessary, do only what's most important to sustain your health. That you can't tell everybody to do that. However, People of character should volunteer of their own to live such a life. And by doing that, there'll be a model for other people. Others will also learn not to go all out for luxuries. They'll learn how to practice self-control. They look at the tzaddikim, the chassidim, who live with abstinence. And therefore, their merit will help the nation in general. And because of them, HaKadosh Baruch will love his people more. Because of their merit, or the good ones, Hashem will love his people more. Say that inside. Before we begin, it's important now, at this point, to explain that even though <coughs> we do not usually continue on the madregas, the high degrees, which the Mechaba has already reached, and is going even higher and higher, 
Nevertheless, it's very important for us to learn everything, all the degrees, even the ultimate, because even the smallest person in some ways does emulate these great ideals. For instance, he speaks later about Kedusha and how the person who is a holy man elevates the whole world. But in the very first chapter he already mentioned that. So we see that this ideal of trying to improve the world by our behavior is for everybody. Only the great people live with that ideal. To us, it's important to have it at least intellectually in our minds. And part of it enters into our daily life too. So a from Jew lives with high ideals, although he's not soaking in, they're not immersed in them like the people he's going to describe later, still there are his ideals. That's why it's important to learn all the ideals, even to the ultimate, the highest madriya. Because as we read it, we shouldn't be discouraged and say it doesn't apply to us anymore. No, everything applies to us, even though in practice it may happen only once maybe in a long time. But if it put it into our minds, it's part of our personality. And that affects, does affect everything we do. Now we go on the bottom line. Explains the four species of the Lulav represent four different categories of Jews. The Eslig is the most juicy, the most fragrant, that's Talmid HaChachomim, a big Sadiqim. And the Lulav is a different kind. The Adasim and the Arobis are the least important Jews, but still we need all of them. Because the Lulav tree needs everything. And therefore, all components of the tree, not only the fruits, but even the leaves, are also important. Now he's explaining that the Frum Jews, who are really Tzadikim, they are benefiting all the rest of the nation. And the rest of the nation actually are helping the Frum Jews too. Because a Frum Jew can't get along without a minion, has to have a Kehillah, he needs people who will supply his children or Talmud of him. So everybody is needed to work together. These will come and atone for these. So you put together the four meaning of the Lulav, so the Sadiqim that are now bound together in your hands with others are Mechaper on the whole Jewish people. And therefore, when people become more excellent in precious, they should know they are bringing a benefit to the rest of the community. And the mice of Ula Bakesh in a certain story. When it says, Is that not a Mishnah that you should do that? Is it a Mishnah's Hasidim? It means he rebukes somebody for not doing beyond the line of duty. But the person replied, Isn't it a Mishnah that that's all they need? That's all the line of duty goes. So you know, the Elio said, no, it's not a mission, it's Hasidim. The fact that you did up to the line of duty is a minimum. But the mission as Hasidim required that you should do beyond, beyond the line of duty. And so we see that the right people who are capable is a requirement. Now these people who are now 
obliged because of their superior nature. They're obliged to be superior in everything. However, they should know they have a responsibility because of their behavior. They're going to be a benefit to the rest of the Jewish nation. Say that inside. Up till now, he discussed the positive forms of precious things that are recommended and urged for people who are capable of doing them, go ahead and they should add to the Shuras Hadin, go beyond the line of duty. But he mentioned above that some precious is negative, some precious is harmful. So, the harmful precious who like the foolish Gentiles. Not enough that they don't take from the world those things that they don't need. We're talking about certain uh, monastic orders that not only they don't take things they don't need, they abstain from luxuries. They even withhold from themselves things that are necessary for their health. And they lacerate their bodies with mutilations, with suffering. And strange things that Hashem does not even desire. Like the false Nevi'im who struck themselves with knives and wounded themselves in their frenzy to show how they were devoted to their idol. Or like in India, the Juggernaut, when the big Juggernaut idol travels on wheels, so to show their piety, many people threw themselves under the wheels and were crushed to death. Now this kind of superficial piety, not nearly piety, and it's absolutely sinful to do, that's called Prishasara. On the contrary, it's forbidden for a man to cause himself suffering. He shouldn't cause his body to be suffer, to be mutilated. Ukian Hatsdoka, Omen Zdoka, and Madam Zdoka said, Call me, she had sold it little in it. Suppose you must take zakat. A person needs zakat. He's a poor man. And he refuses to take. He's guilty of bloodshed. He's shedding his own blood. And here's a person who wants to go beyond the, beyond the line of duty and not take any zakat. And he prefers to starve. Now that man is considered guilty of bloodshed. Hashem created man as a living being. So it means... You must continue to maintain yourself as a living being. The the life I put into you is your duty to maintain its existence. If people fast, Nikro Choit is considered a sinner. Now, there's another Maima, it's called the holy man. So we understand it depends. If a person has a strong physique and he can fast frequently, it doesn't harm him. So he's training himself in self-control. There's a Kaddish, which is going to reduce his ability to function. Then he's not called a Kaddish, he's a Chaytek when he fasts.
they explained it, and the person not able to cause himself that distress of fasting. That's the old or sick people, it's also for them to fast. When he went to eat breakfast in the morning, so they say, where are you going? So he said, a man of kindliness bestows kindliness on himself. He said, I'm going to do kindliness to this poor inn that I'm, where I'm staying. What's that mean? He's going to bestow kindliness on this poor inn where he's staying, on this poor body. That's my inn where I'm staying. I'm going to bestow kindliness on that poor inn. And he quoted a passage, A man of kindliness is kind to himself. But to see that your body is maintained in a state of health. Allah is our bacon. And he spoke about eating breakfast in the morning. And he washed his face and his hands always in honor of his Creator. We learned that from the images of a king. So a king gave his picture or his bust to someone. The king expects that person to keep the picture and the bust clean of dust and of cobwebs. Now, Kodesh Bola gave us a face, the human face is seldom of a king, and in honor of Hashem, we have to keep the face clean. And therefore, there are things that are not capable of being sacrificed. These things which should not go beyond the line of duty, and these matters, on the contrary, it's a sin to do all those things that degrade the human body and cause it mutilation or illness. Say that. And this is the true rule. Whatever is not necessary for a person in his worldly existence, it's proper that he should keep away. Superfluous things, let's say, to go in for certain hobbies, like collecting coins, or having a special room where people collect Chinese art. Some houses have that. All these things are a waste of our lives, waste of money, and waste of time. Many hobbies people do that are not necessary at all. If a person has to walk or do other things in order to refresh himself, to get back to his spirits, it's all right. But if he's going to go into hobbies that are just a form of expression of imitating the environment, is just wasting his time because he sees other people who do that, then these things a person should make up his mind is not going to go in for anything that's not necessary. Travel, for instance. Many people travel back and forth all the time. It's such a big waste of their lives, sitting by the wheels of cars or going on the airplanes, even on buses, going places where it's not necessary. And therefore, there's plenty of things, especially nowadays, that people have affluence and have money and their places to go and things to do and to waste our lives on them and of course there's no question that preachers today is a more important subject than it was in his time because he didn't have those opportunities that people have today to waste their lives now next time we start again the same paragraph I'll show you. the bottom paragraph
הרי לכו הכלל הוא אמיתי. The contradiction. Sometimes precious is considered wrong, and sometimes it's considered right. Sometimes it's wrong for people to deny themselves certain things, certain pleasures, and sometimes it's considered a mitzvah to do it. And so he made a certain statement before that whatever is not necessary for one's health is considered superfluous. And now he says, This is the true rule. Whatever is not necessary for a person in the matters of Elam Hazer, it's proper to try to abstain from them. Things that he does not need for the maintenance of his normal life. Now, what normal life means is not a simple matter. And it changes according to the times too. But we'll say this statement, whatever a person needs for his normal life is considered a mitzvah to do. The whole mashihu Whatever is necessary for some reason, if it's necessary for him, if he refrains from it, he's a sinner. If a person refrains from proper sleep, from eating in the right time, other things is a sinner. If a phrase from work is a sinner, it should work. People have to do things to maintain their lives. If he doesn't get married, is a sinner. The person, however, eats more than is necessary, and even harms his health. The person wastes time looking for amusements that he does not need. Unless sometimes when he's very nervous and upset, so he deserves to have a little rest, a walking, a going someplace. Otherwise, anything that is not necessary for a person should try to abstain from that. That's a reliable rule. But how to carry out the details according to this rule, not such a simple matter. It's easy to give a rule, but what is considered necessary, what's considered superfluous? It depends only on a man's judgment. And a man will be praised according to the way he uses his judgment. That's how the Pasik said. A man will be praised according to his cycle. Now this refers to things that are not clearly stated in the Torah, whether it's mutter or asa. These are like the things that we just mentioned above. Are they superfluous or are they necessary? Should you separate from them or should you participate in certain things? So that depends on the judgment. It's not possible to collect all the details here in the Sefer and to tell it to us. Because they are without number. A man's mind cannot include all of them. On each thing in his time. I'll give an example. There was a time when a telephone in the house was considered a luxury. There was a time when the refrigerator in the house was considered a luxury. 
Then ice boxes came, and they put ice in the boxes. It was considered luxury. Then when the electric refrigerators came along, that was considered a luxury. So therefore, it's not a simple matter. So according to the times, what's considered a normal, standard, temperate kind of life, that's what's expected of him. And whatever is possible to cut out of unnecessary things, like cards playing, certainly a waste of time, going to a theater, even a crusher from a theater, as a waste of time, there's no such thing, of course, a waste of time. Collecting coins, a waste of time traveling, as a waste of time. The many things, the people are wasting the time, are wasting the money. Eating out, absolutely a waste of money and time. Many times it's a waste of good health, if you eat in restaurants. And so all these things which we can dispense with, our cycle tells us that it's a mitzvah of precious. Now among the things we're going to see also is superfluous talking. You can dispense with too much talking too. People get together and sit on benches or in the shul together and talk and talk. These are things that a one who wants to fulfill precious can surely be mekayim. It's better for his health and no question that by not talking much, you're already in the cloud of the Purushim. So I say up to here. precious. The various divisions of this subject of precious. Now, once more, what was said last time, some of the things we're going to study are worth knowing, even though we won't do it. Because we're going to climb higher and higher on the ladder of perfection as you go on with civilization. And even though we're not fulfilling what he's telling us, it's valuable for us to know. Learning is extremely important to know what's considered praiseworthy, what's considered desirable. And even though we don't do it now, at least we know there's such a thing. Otherwise, people don't even dream there's such a goal. The main parts of precious are three. There's abstinence in pleasures, in limiting pleasures. Precious bedinim. There's abstinence in dinim. It means doing more than the line of duty requires in dinim. As he'll soon explain. And precious dinim hogim. Precious in behavior. Especially temperate in his behavior. Now we'll see each one. A precious behanois huma shiiskanu vipedakakir. Precious in pleasures are the things that we mentioned above in the previous parak. <laughs> not to take from this world <clears throat> those things that are not necessary for his normal existence. Now the world is full of things, and today more than ever. And still, the requirement of precious tells us not to swim together with the current, not to do what everyone else does, but to live with a certain ideal that we can do without many things that the Hamoin, the ignorant people, think that they have to do these things. This includes all those things that are pleasures 
or one of their senses. And eating, and clothing, in going out for excursions, listening to news, to reports, the whole time, anything similar to that. Rak, Bayomim, Shoinibim is unless the days when there's a mitzvah to have pleasure. Now on Shabbos, it's a mitzvah to eat luxurious things. You can nash on Shabbos. It's a mitzvah. On Shabbos, a mitzvah to purchase beforehand delicious things. Of course, even that has a certain measure. But it's beyond the requirements of their daily needs. Shabbos is a special, you have to honor the Shabbos. On Shabbos, if you wish to take a walk or sleep more, it's considered Oynik Shabbos. It's a mitzvah. On some days, like Yontav, a mitzvah to drink some wine. Even Yisrochag. Drink a little wine, Yisrochag. A little more than usual. Also, Cholamayat, Purim, and therefore, on these days, a certain amount of leniency and the subject of precious is recommended. See up to here. Precious within what's called abstinence or doing beyond the line of duty in dinim, always to be somewhat stricter in dinim. Because there are many cases where you can find a number of opinions. And it's easy always to seek out the easiest way. When a person does that always, first of all, it is quite possible he'll be initial. He might make a mistake because with a number of opinions and you're always looking for the easiest way, it's quite probable that sometimes you'll be doing a sin. But even when you know for sure that this is the right psakhawacha, if you will be a little more careful, then you're going to be rewarded. Hashem said you do more than is expected of you, then I'll do for you in return more than you can expect of me. That's the principle called Amachmir Tove Olovrach. Now, not on somebody else. On yourself, if you're Machmir, then Tove Olovrach. That's a rule. The more you're careful with the laws of the Torah, with the Takonis Hachomim, that when you're washing your hands, let's say, before the Sutta, you want to make sure your hands are dry, and the cup or the Kaili is dry, your hands shouldn't be wet. So, from Jews, Wipe their hands, make sure they're dry. Sometimes they're machmer. All these things cause you to be beautiful in the eyes of Hashem. When Hashem sees what a high regard you have for his dinim, then he has a high regard for you. That's the principle. Lochosh To worry even about the opinion of one person, or one of his chachamim, even though others say it's not necessary to worry that much, if his reason is sensible. Of course, sometimes a person can say something that's not logical. And all the Chachamim said not logical. But suppose he says a logical thing, only we don't ask him that way. Therefore, those who are Machmir, according to that individual who is Machmir, are conditioned 
that by being strict, you don't cause something of a meanness. Say, suppose you say that this kind of tefillin are not kosher tefillin, or the most poskim will say it's kosher tefillin. And though all the poskim tell you, put on these tefillin and make a bracha, you want to be machmir, because you want to follow those who say that tefillin are not perfectly kosher, and you want to make a bracha. They're afraid it's a bracha without tefillin. No, that's already wrong. You're putting on film without a bracha? If most of the poskim say it's kosher tefillin, you must put on a tefillin with a bracha. Unless you're able to buy an especially made pair of tefillin according to this individual opinion, this machmir. But suppose you can't. You cannot say, I won't make a bracha. Or let's say, you can't find a lulav, a esrig, that's guaranteed 100%. Now, although all the mechre lulavim, are telling you that they're kosher and everybody else is buying them you can't refrain from buying them or making a book on them just because you're a machmir so therefore if you can spend money to buy a more expensive one go ahead but suppose you can't get anything else you should take these and make a bracha on them. So you're saying the condition is that the chumrah that you're machmir shouldn't turn out a kula and cause you to abstain from doing the mitzvah entirely. Say after here. Yes, that to be machmir wherever there cannot be any harmful results, you should be machmir. By the way, however, if it's going to cause you to be ridiculed by people and they look down on you, you have to be careful. Be careful. Godas call is something. So don't do out of the way things that advertise that you're a very big tzaddik, you're exceptional tzaddik, and people will say you're showing off or you're acting crazy. Don't do those things. If you wish, you can do them in secret, in private. But in public, do not expose yourself to ridicule by doing chumras that nobody else does. Unless they're small things especially private things that are not too prominent and noticeable. But to show off with chumras, or to cause ridicule, or cause machlekes, let's say, you're a chosid, a daven, in a shul of Ashkenaz, you shouldn't say, Kegavne allows Friday night and say, Bamem Adlikin, or if you're Ashkenaz, you shouldn't say, Bamem Adlikin allows in a Tzidus Ishtibul. You can say it quietly if you wish. You have to go along with the people. You have to be yesedadas hakohol. You have to find favor in the eyes of other from Jews. And whatever chumras you wish to practice, you should practice in privacy. That's all for now. Begin the paragraph. Haprishus bedinim. Please find a place for your neighbors. The subject is precious, which means the practice of self-control to do things beyond the line of duty. In Avodah Hashem, a person who is able to do things only because HaKadosh Baruch Hu requested of him but not because he's yielding to the passions or the emotions of his body.
when a person is a slave to his own body or is a slave to the environment, he cannot be considered servant of Hashem. And therefore, precious is one of the ways of learning how to be free from the practices and the habits of people who live only by their environment and by their emotions and by their instincts. And therefore, that's one of the madrigas of perfection that people encounter at the climb of the ladder. Now, it was mentioned here already that although not all of the things that he says we're going to follow, because some of them may seem to us too sublime for our little personalities to emulate, even then we continue to climb in the study of them because the knowledge of these madrigas is in itself a perfection character. As long as a man knows there's something to look forward to, some higher goal, that's an inspiration in his life. When people don't know and they think that whatever they do is perfect, is sufficient, and nothing beyond that, so they'll never make any progress in anything. But even small people like ourselves, when we know there's a great beyond of Shlemus further and further, so sometimes we do in certain small acts things that are similar to these perfectionist acts that he's describing here. And if it's worth studying it, the idea is in itself as a perfection of character. Now we start. He said there are three kinds of precious. Precious in Hanois, in pleasures, in desires, and also precious in fulfilling of dinim, and precious in the way we behave. Now there are three different areas and he explained. Now precious be dinim. Who? The person is always choosing the stricter side of the halacha. Many times, even when you are following the halacha, it could be a more lenient interpretation. Maybe there's a possibility of understanding it in a more strict manner. And therefore, the approach is machmir in halacha. Like it's explained, called ha-machmir tobe al-abracha. who gives a bracha to those who go along beyond the line of duty. Ahachbe behem tomi, always to be machmer in dinim. Lo choish afilu ledivre yochid bimachlekes im tamanir. To take consideration even the opinions of an individual who does not follow the rabbim if his swore is logical. Now this doesn't mean that we have to be extreme in a very wild manner. That he'll explain later, explained before too. All these things have to be done with Chochmah. But there is a certain ability to choose sometimes a Svore, which is logical, even though we don't follow that Svore, still the Chumre is, is considered a virtue to follow that Chumre. Even Aloha is not so. Still those who are Machmer and follow that Yoche are called pushing. Obitnai on condition that the Chumra should not turn out a Kula. For instance, sometimes because of the Chumra, he makes a Machlekes with the people around him. And it's a Kula. But you have to act according to the Minigamotim. If, if you're Machmir, you have to be Machmir in a way that people don't notice it. Or sometimes, if you're Machmir, it would mean you don't do that Mitzvah 
for that din because you're machmir. And actually you're losing out an opportunity to do a mitzvah and you listen to the majority that I make of. Or and to be a machmir when there's a sophic, even in a case where it's possible to make less a sophic the Rabbanon, or the sophic, whether the chazoke over the mafreya, a number of the cases where sophics would be mutter. However, this man doesn't utilize those heterim is machmir anyhow. Ukro be'arolonu chachom zechelavoche. Chachom already explained to us. But Yecheskel said, My soul has never been defiled. What that means? He never ate from a behemoth that had to be brought to a chocham to pasch in the shaman. That's a chicken, which is taken to a rov, and the rov said, It's kosher. Yecheskel never ate from such a chicken. As long as there was a possibility of a question, he backed out from using that chicken. Now, that's not considered an Isa. And anybody who ate that chicken is still a very kosher Jew. But a parush tries to avoid even such cases. That means, if an animal was close to death, now there was nothing actually wrong with that animal. It didn't have any kind of lesion in an ava that would make it safe. But the animal there is expiring because of weakness. So they hurried up and slaughtered the animal. So it should be kosher and not be an availer. Now actually, as kosher means, nevertheless, he never ate of such a shit. Kosher means hurry up and shech. Hurry up and shech before the animal dies. He wouldn't eat of that. Because it looked something like an availer, although actually not an availer at all. Stay up to here. These things are certainly permissible according to the din. But he, Yecheskel, was being strict upon himself. Above, we already mentioned you shouldn't learn from those things that all the Israel are mutter to do for the pushing to follow. Even things that the whole Jewish nation has accepted as permissible are cases where the pushing are machmer. A Polish has to keep away from something that doesn't look right. Or even the thing itself may not look wrong. But there's something else like it that might look wrong. And therefore, it could be a far-fetched thing. But a Polish is something that resembles an Isa. He makes it his business to practice self-control. In this matter, I am like vinegar, the son of wine, compared to my father. And his father was greater. My father, when he ate meat today, let's say, at five o'clock, he wouldn't eat cheese until the next day, five o'clock. 
It's part of the way the 24 hours between milk, meat and milk. In this meal, I didn't eat milk after meat. In another meal, I did eat. Usually their meals were far apart, about six hours apart. So therefore, he waited six hours and then he ate. But because his father waited 24 hours, he considered himself vinegar, the son of wine. Now the question is this. If he understood that his father was doing something much better than he did, why didn't he emulate his father's ways? Why didn't he also, he was a great man, why didn't he wait 24 hours? If he admired his father so much? That's a question. And the Chachmei Amusa answered that, and he said, Absolutely. When a man wishes to emulate great people and take upon himself chumras, that's a perfectly virtuous thing with one condition. He must be the same in other things in his life. But if in the other things in his life is a hedia to the pushes, without machmer at all, and it is one thing, it takes him upon himself to be machmer, it's merzi keyuaro. It looks like arrogance showing up. For instance, here's a person who adds more things to his davena. Davena's more things. Behind the siddha at the end of davena, there's more things to say. Very good. But we ask him a question. When you were standing Shimon Elsa, did you have Kavana in the Perish Amilis in the first bracha of Ovis? Morgan That's a requirement that if you're not Mechav in the first bracha, you're not Yesh Shimon Elsa. So why spend time on adding additional things you're not required to do? Why not spend time on the first bracha saying it more slowly, thinking it over? Therefore, Anybody who wishes to be machmir must see if he's not doing something incongruous out of proportion to himself. If a person is improving himself all along the line, then certainly it fits in to add one more chumr, another chumr, and so on. But you must make sure that in general you are a person that's careful in other things Otherwise, you're considered uh, and that's why this great man, although he knew it was a virtue to wait 24 hours to be meat and milk, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. I'm sure he, he was a tzaddik behold the rochot. And still, he didn't consider himself worthy to accept such a chumah. Now explain that to your neighbors before you go on. Um, Certainly, Dalok had not like his father, who waited 24 hours. If the halacha was like his father, Ma'uk himself would do the same. The father was only being strict according to his practice of self-control. That's right. Now we call them a cell Khalevahamla, vinegar the son of wine, the fish of the Hoya Polish called Kachme. He wasn't just a Polish. He also was a Polish, but not as much as his father. Before we adjourn, one more point. In every case, people who adopt Khumras 
are praiseworthy. Except in the Machlekes Beishama and Beishila. There we shouldn't be a Machmelech Beishama for a special reason. Because the Machlekes between Beishama and Beishila almost split apart the Beishisrael. And finally, when the vote was taken and you followed Beis Hillel, there was a great victory for Achitus. From now on, we all the nations were united to follow Beis Hillel. Now, if you're going to be Machma like Beis Shammai, you're going to start breaking down that Achitus. And that's why you shouldn't be Machma like Beis Shammai. But in all other Machlekes, Tanoim and Amoim, if a person follows the cool of this one, and the cool of the other one, the chumah is one, and the chumah of the other one, then it's considered a parish. At least it's been hugging. Before he spoke about precious in Hanois to have self-control in yielding to the desire for pleasures and the second kind of precious was precious in Dinim to be Machmia always to take if possible the stricter sides of every Halacha now the third precious precious in behavior <coughs> I start saying as follows who has brededus, for instance, to be alone? To separate ones from ordinary company. Now later, we we'll learn that to go the company of Chachamim is desirable. But from ordinary people, it's better to remain aloof. By his business or in order to keep his mind open for the service of Hashem and thinking properly about the service of Hashem. When he's in the company of people, he's not going to think about Hashem and he won't think about the service of Hashem. So he's bedus as much as possible to avoid mixing with people. Now that may seem queer today, but even today it's a very practical thing. <laughs> Be polite to everybody, but don't necessarily become cronies and spend time together for nothing with people, to stop and talk for nothing, greet people friendly, and keep on going. Not to spend time in associating and fraternizing without any purpose. Of course, if somebody needs encouragement, you have to make him cheer up or something else. But otherwise, go your way and keep your mind as much as possible on the subject of Avedah Sashem. Except here. Now they speak about the Chofiz Chaim, the Chagel who was very active, and he traveled, and he organized, and did things, but he never had any personal cronies, people whom he associated as friends. Because it's a waste of time. They take up your time, Let's say visiting, for instance. That was out of the question. But people like that never visit anybody. And nobody visits them. What's visiting for? He sits with his wife, and he sits with his wife, and they shoot a rag. 
What do you accomplish? Nothing at all. So visiting is something that's that's for Ami Horetz. Better people don't visit. You're friendly, you ask how people are, you wish them well, you encourage them, but don't go spend time be curious in people's homes to waste part of your life. With a condition, however, he shouldn't incline even in this to the other extreme. To the hermit, for instance, that's already no good. Man's mind must always be mixed with the opinions of other people. Man's always be in agreement with people. So, follow the customs of the people. Now that would mean that if you have relatives that you must visit, you visit them. But don't hang around too much and don't make it a big ideal in your life to spend time. But your mind should try to be in agreement with people. And I quote it in this statement is, don't argue with people for nothing. Unless some principle is involved, always say yes, yes to people. If no principle of conscience or of Torah is involved, always you don't make an argument for another. Some people are arguing over anything. It's not so. I think differently. Don't talk to people about such things. Agree with people. Make them happy. A sword on the lonely people, and they will become foolish. He says, a sword against the lonesome people. People are all alone will become foolish, which means you need chaverim with whom to learn. You need teachers. You need people to advise you, to encourage you. Now he explains, Now I don't want to say a sword on Talmud Chachamim. says a sword on the enemies of the Talmud Chachamim. But it doesn't mean enemies. It means actually on them. A sword on those Talmud Chachamim that sit by themselves and engage in Torah. Instead of coming together with a chavruse or in groups where you can benefit from the minds of other people, they stimulate you. You sit by yourself and in this when you'll become foolish. You sink into unthinking attitudes. You seek the easiest way out and try not to understand. Just make things easy for yourself. However, when you're together with other people, they challenge you and you have to explain things to them and your mind is stimulated. And that's why you become wiser because of association with good people. A man shall join good people. As much time as is necessary for his learning, only upon us or some time, for business, to make a living, you have to associate with other people. But more than that, don't do. And after you have done your duty in associating with people, for as much as you need for your learning, or as much as you need for your business, afterwards let him be alone, in solitude, to cling to his Hashem. A man has to cling to Hashem. And he's by himself, it's easier for him to think about Hashem. And to achieve the ways of righteousness and the true Avedah. It means you must think about yourself. Without thinking, you'll never know what is it that's lacking in you, 
How can you become better? So when people are by themselves and they're thinking, how can I serve Hashem better? How can I express my gratitude to Hashem all that He's doing for me? Then these people make progress in life. So now one more. Nobody should go to extremes and become a hermit. No, you should be more reverse in my voice. People should think you're in agreement with them and you're happy to see them and you enjoy their company, but only as much as you need to associate with people in order to do business or make a living or to be used your relatives maybe have to fulfill some obligations or in order to learn together with them but when you finish with that <clears throat> go back into your solitude by yourself and spend time thinking about your obligations to Hashem and how you can improve yourself and make something more out of your life say that inside and included in this to limit your speech it means not to talk much get in the habit of not talking much and be careful to avoid idle conversation if somebody speaks to you if it's not necessary don't answer and if you must answer don't be a gusher say what's necessary Briefly, that's all. And not to look outside of his four amas. When a person walks in the street, looks around all the time, so he's looking around at people's faces and what they're doing, that person's mind is not on Hashem. All similar things that a person should accustom himself in them, until it becomes natural in these movements. Now there are many things that could be added to this. For instance, people who make a lot of motion, gesticulate when they talk, they're active. If you're able to be self-contained, don't make any unnecessary emotions. Even dominant, some people sway so much and their minds are not on the daven at all. Some people are swaying back and forth, back and forth, not even thinking a word that they're saying. So be limited in other things and concentrate more on the habit of thinking about what you have to consider in your mind. Say that inside. Now it sums up. These three parts that he mentioned, for instance, the first, to limit oneself in seeking pleasures. He doesn't try to eat confections and uh, cakes, whatever necessary healthful foods he eats, but he doesn't look for things that are superfluous and don't add to his health. Other forms of pleasures, of course, he wouldn't go to places to travel for nothing. All these things are considered a pursuit of Hanoes. Some people spend a great deal of time on uh, ent entertainment. All these things are considered yielding to the passion for good times. So the Porush trains himself, not interested in seeking good times. And the second was to be Mahmir in Dinim. Of course, you have to know Dinim and if you can understand that not everybody agrees with this cooler, even though it's perfectly permissible to do so, 
You have a right to be machmir and go beyond the line of duty and be machmir more than others. And the third is in customs and in behavior. Now he tells us that these three things are two very general rules and they need very many details to explain them. By studying the rules alone, you wouldn't know what they mean. Although I said it to you in brief generalizations, in brief rules, in they include many acts that people have to do, and there are very many things under each heading. I already said the details is impossible to tell. In the Sefer, if you started telling details, it would make the Sefer ten times as big. In the Shikul you have to use your own judgment. Learn the rules and try to apply them whatever comes up in your life. In order to cause all of your acts to be correct according to the rules and the truthfulness of the principles. Now what he's saying here is a very important subject. Even though he's not going to tell us the details, however, whenever you get a chance to listen to details, you should do so. And some Sfarim do speak of details. Some Sfarim. Now, he spoke of some details above. Details in Gaiva, in Redeva Sarkovit, details in Lashon Hora. There are details. And many details that you can learn is important. That's why when you learn Gemara or you learn Tanakh, you see stories that illustrate many of these details. But people that didn't learn don't understand that. They think that this is not included in the three. It doesn't even occur to them that what they're still doing now is included in one of these three principles. So therefore, although we learn these three principles, as much as you can get details to explain them, and wherever you can get them, you should prize the opportunity. Set that aside. Ikniyas apricious. The ways to acquire this attitude of self-control. Hine hadera hamuvchor. Likniyas is apricious. The choicest way to acquire this attitude of precious who she is takel ho'odom begrius tanugas ilamazen that's as a person should look into think into the worthlessness of pleasures now once more before we go on we must remember what he said before the things that are necessary for the well-being of the body and sometimes for the well-being of the emotions, and these things are considered mitzvahs to do. However, whatever is superfluous, does not need it at all for his health or his emotional well-being. He should think how worthless it is. And how low they are from their own value to think what does it mean when a person sits down and he eats things that are unnecessary just because they're sweet all he's doing is behaving like an animal 
that's attracted to something without thinking of the purposes and the usefulness of what's going to eat. Like the Anamama says, don't be like a caliph in a chamoya who eat only what's pleasant to their palate. A caliph in a chamoya. That's how people eat who are gourmet and interested only in enjoying things that are not necessary. And the horrois, hagadolis, shekrebesli molinlam. And great harm that are very possible that could result from that. Many of these things actually are harmful for the health. So first of all, he says, it's a lowliness of character to be enslaved to the emotions of taste, desire for pleasures. Secondly, that many times these forms of pleasure are harmful for a person. What causes the nature to incline to these pleasures? That subsequently he needs a great deal of force to separate himself from them. What is it that causes a person to be so enslaved? Who is a persuasion of the eyes. He sees things, actually they're not that pleasant, but the eyes persuade him to think that that's a happy thing to do. The eyes are persuaded by the appearance of those things. Superficially, they seem to be good and sweet. Many times, when a person, let's say, thinks he'd like to be in a certain place, when finally he gets to that place, he finds there's nothing. Like they travel their companies, they want to sell you tickets to go to far off places, islands in the south and the south seas. When you get there, it's really nothing at all, it's all imaginary. And the people that live there are all trying to come to New York. So what makes it so beautiful to you? Only the persuasion of your eyes. That's the persuasion that caused the very first sin to be performed. Like the Torah testified. And by the way, that's why the whole story is in the Torah to let us know that looking at things that are unnecessary is a first step to be ensnared in them. If you wouldn't look at them, it's easier to avoid. Look at uh, billboards, advertising, travel, advertising movies, advertising entertainment. That deceives people into thinking that maybe there's something there. Actually, when you get there, it's nothing. Let's see, it comes out in the movies when it's all over. It's nothing. It's just Mishugas, stories that never happen. There's pictures, weren't true at all. It walks out at night. It's minus the dollars that it cost him admission. Wasted time. His head is now full of garbage. And he's a worse man now than he was before. But his eyes persuaded him. Oh, it's advertising the newspapers, exciting film, emotional film. And he came with the thought that he'll get a very happy experience. And actually the experience itself, when he turns out to have gone through it, he sees there's nothing at all. It says, The woman saw 
that the tree is good for food. It says she saw. She looked at it and she was thinking how delicious that food would be just because it was forbidden. Because there were other things to eat. The garden was full of beautiful fruits that were permissible. But she looked at this one that was forbidden and by looking at it, she became enslaved to the idea that she needs it. It's a desire for the eyes. The Torah is testifying. It was a desire for the eyes. Now this is something in addition. The, the tree was desirable to make wise. She imagined that the tree could give her wisdom. Which she thought meant give her wisdom. Now that's an added inducement. Like they say, they say, come and travel, travel broadens your mind. Makes you more intellectual if you travel. It's just the opposite. When you travel, you become a nobody. If you would want to study, you could read books and gain more knowledge. Traveling is not it's a waste of time. And therefore, here also, when she looked at the fruit, it was first of all desirable for the eyes, and secondly, she imagined it could broaden her mind. It was desirable to make wise. Therefore, she took from the fruit and she ate. And therefore, the Torah tells this first story to let us know that the eyes are the first step in persuading a person into doing things that are unnecessary and even wrong. First step to hear. So the first step to combat this is to think into it and to come to the realization how low that is to be enslaved to such things and how useless these things are. But when it will come clear to a person that that thing that seems so good is entirely false, it's only imaginary and no real continuation. Let's say she goes to a show and comes out of the show, it's all over. There's nothing at all. What did he take with him? Except some foolish ideas in his head. But nothing of value has been gained there. And the harm is real. Or it's close to result from that. I mean, there really could be a harm even though it doesn't see it right now. So if a man thinks about that, of course he has to spend time on this thought. Think how foolish it is to go to movies. How foolish it is to sit at TV and look at the faces of Rishoyim, of low characters, and listen to the empty litzonas. How foolish it is to spend money traveling around for no purpose at all to places that are no better than where he is right now. How foolish it is for a person to go to concerts and hear music just because people tell him it's so wonderful and when he sits there it's so boring there's nothing to it at all he just tickles his ears for a little while when it's all over he goes home with nothing at all he'll certainly reject it and he won't have any interest in it at all so if a person wants the first step, it is thinking how valuable this are all the amusements and entertainments of people. No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form 
even for personal use.